there are 45 reasons that Dr. Seuss should be completely canceled. Welcome to Lucas Grobot Show. I'm Lucas Grobot, and this is where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Today, we are going to be talking about the cancellation of Dr. Seuss and 45 reasons why he really should be canceled and some reasons that he should not be. But before we get into that, I would like to ask you, if you have been listening to the show, if you enjoy this show, please share it with a friend. You don't need to share it on Instagram or send it to all your friends. Just text one of them. I personally, I love when someone sends me a podcast to listen to. It makes me feel thought of. It makes me feel cared for. And I'm sure your friends will think so too. So back to the topic at hand. If you don't know, Dr. Seuss is one of the most prolific, famous uh, Western American children's book authors, author of One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Green Eggs, and Ham. Oh, the places you'll go. Sneeches with stars upon thars. I mean, I love Dr. Seuss. My kids love Dr. Seuss books. I feel like I'm reading them every night, and I pretty much have a good handful of them memorized. So why would I have a list of 45 reasons that I think that he should be canceled? Well, it's not my list, but there is a list of 45 reasons that he should be canceled. And that list was published all the way back in 1961 in the book, The Naked Communist by Cleon Skouskin and was presented to the U.S. Congress in 1963. And it is a list of the then current, now pretty much all fulfilled, goals of the Communist Party. Now, what does the Communist Party have to do with Dr. Seuss in the year 2021? Well, that's a great, great question. And we're going to get into that towards the end of this episode. But first, I want you to understand why you should care. Why you should care about what's going on. We're going to get into what's going on. We're going to hit not the full 45 because that would take forever, but we're going to hit the, the highlighted points of that list of 45 goals of the Communist Party and how it actually pertains to this situation. But why should you care? Books are amazing things. Books are, are works of art. Literature causes us to think, to think critically, and there are two, two sorts of books in the world. There are good books and bad books. And I don't think either of them should be canceled. And this is why. Because when we cancel bad books and we cancel bad thinking, it actually cuts out our ability to be able to think and able to, to wrestle with thoughts and come to the good conclusions on our own. So that is why. So as you listen through this, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind that when we are canceling or choosing not to continue to print books, yet keeping it out of the public domain, when we choose that road, we are cutting off a generation's ability to think critically along 
very important subject matters, the ones that we'll be talking about today. So has Dr. Seuss entirely been canceled? No, he has not. So there is, I would admit, an an over-exaggeration by many people when they're talking about the complete canceling of Dr. Seuss. It's only about six books of his 60-plus books that the publication that Dr. Seuss Enterprises has decided to pull from printing. So they're not being pulled off the shelves. They're not being pulled out of your home. If you have them, you can read them. The government is not coming. This was not a government move. This was a private entity deciding that they were no longer going to publish some of the books. And this is what the Dr. Seuss Enterprise said. On their website, they wrote, Today on Dr. Seuss's birthday, Dr. Seuss Enterprises celebrates reading and also our mission of supporting all children and families with messages of hope, inspiration, inclusion, and friendship. We are committed to action. To that end, Dr. Seuss Enterprises, working with a panel of experts, including educators, reviewed our catalog of titles and made the decision last year to cease publication and licensing of the following titles. The following titles are and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran the Zoo, Mick Elgett's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scramble Egg Super, and The Cat's Quizzers. These books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Ceasing sales of these books is only part of our commitment and a broader plan to ensure Dr. Seuss's Enterprise's catalog represents and supports all communities and families. The important part here, the part that I feel is important, is this is a private company. They have the absolute right to do this. I question who are these experts? Who are these educators? Is this the right move? Okay, that's what we're going to debate in this episode, but it is not government censorship. So that's one important thing. Two, okay, so why why are these are they pulling these books? The reason that Dr. Seuss Enterprises decided to pull some of these titles was because the non-whites, the non-Western humans in these titles are placed in subservient roles, oftentimes being portrayed in dehumanizing ways, um, using uh, what's called Orientalism from Edward Said's Uh, famous book, Orientalism, and it's essentially glorifying and exaggerating the ethnic appearances of some of these people, people from places like China or Japan or India or the Middle East, Arabia or Africa. So Dr. Seuss was using these stereotypical images to portray non-Western people, which back in 1950 was much more commonplace. But today in 2021, I understand. I understand how it is offensive. It is hurtful. It's probably hurtful and offensive then too, um, but it was more culturally accepted. 
And so here are some of the images, and I can I can agree to a large extent of why these would be offensive and why Dr. Seuss Enterprises would say, okay, we we don't like these in our books. We're going to pull these books out of publication. So one is of a Chinese boy running and his skin is painted yellow and his eyes are slanted and he has chopsticks eating rice and it says a Chinese boy. Now, later Dr. Seuss uh, amended that photo and he changed the color of his skin and he took out a, a long ponytail. But still, these were these were ideas, these these images, these stereotypes were often connected to racial slurs. So I think that's a I think that's a fair point to say, okay, this is actually somewhat hurtful. Another example is a from what I saw on Mulberry Street. It, it depicts a what looks like to be an, an Indian man riding on top of an elephant. And again, it's very this glorification of this exotic world, which is very much in line with Orientalism by Edward Said, which again, it's very, it's widely criticized ideology and it's a very anti-Western, anti-colonialism, anti-capitalism book that essentially has said that all of Western literature, Western literature's portrayal of anything outside of the West is cultural appropriation and it's taking everything through this hypersexual lens. Other images would be ones of, again, Asian, Chinese, Japanese uh, men carrying tigers on their head, and again, a subservient role, a subservient position, or an, an Arab riding what looks like a, a camel wearing a, a turban of sorts with a long, flowy mustache, very much so playing off of what we would stereotypically think from the old 1950 cartoons and movies of what the world outside the West looks like. The argument then follows that because there are so few non-white people that are used in his publications, in Dr. Seuss's drawings and pictures, and the majority of them are in subservient or as many critics have said, dehumanizing positions or taking the certain ethnic characteristics and magnifying it and glorifying, uh, you know, this sort of ethnicity of differentness of people that are different than those in the, the, the Western world at that time. They're saying this is a, a, a very racist idea. This is very oppressive and it's a very hurtful idea. And I can, I have empathy for that. I can see how, okay, yeah, that is, that is not, not true. I can see how that is true of many of these drawings in this publication. When you look at it through that lens and how it can be hurtful to people. Now, the greater argument that's at play here against Dr. Seuss is that he was writing in a time even before he started publishing children's books, he was a political comic writer during World War II. And he wrote many comics that were anti-Japanese sediment, anti-Japanese imperialism, uh, very racist and xenophobic, and essentially writing American propaganda 
against ethnicities, against Japanese ethnicities. And so there is a solid argument that people have put together for years. This is not a new thing against Dr. Seuss calling him a racist and pointing to very clear racist cartoons that he penned in his early years. Now, the argument goes that as Dr. Seuss grew older, he began to have a change of heart. He had a, 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 a changed the way of looking in the world. The world changed a lot from the, the 30s and 40s into the 50s and 60s, where he actually began to, began to change some of his caricatures. He began to, instead of drawing humans, he began to draw animals, where he wrote amazing pieces like the one with Sneetches, where there's two groups of animals or two groups of people. Some have stars on their bellies and some don't. And saying, hey, we shouldn't see color. We shouldn't have a hierarchy uh, of what one, one race or one color is above the other, but we should all see the character inside ourselves rather than the color of our skins. But that is a very non-racist. It says, let's not be racist. Let's not see color. Let's not see the color of one another. Let's be colorblind. But today, it is not enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. Today, the, the narrative is you need to see color, that if you don't see color, then you are racist, that you need to judge based on the color of one's skin, that when you see the color of one's skin, you should make a whole lot of assumptions of who that person is and the, the, the victim status that person comes from and how you have this implicit bias, and unless you're addressing it in a, in a racist way, under the name of anti-racism, then you are actually part of the problem and you don't even know it. And this is the thing. You are part of the problem and you don't even know it. So they are not just coming for a few of Dr. Seuss's books, but they're coming for Dr. Seuss himself. Because in deconstruction, which is a, a form of liter, literary criticism, and it's a thought system of, of postmodernism, it says we don't just read the book, but we say, well, what was the ethnicity, the gender, the background, the upbringing, the time that the person wrote the book in, the lens that they wrote the book through, and then let's deconstruct it based on their worldview to then say, actually, this means something totally different. So you look at critics of Dr. Seuss, and they are beginning to point out and say that, well, actually, all these other writings too should be thrown out because he was a racist, and therefore, all of his writings are racist. They can't see the, the arc and the narrative of Dr. Seuss as he, as he changed and grew over time. Now, as I said, Dr. Seuss wrote the infamous story of, of Horton Harris Who, which is uh, every person is a person no matter their size, no matter how small. He wrote the amazing pieces like Sneetches, which is the story of, as I said, two groups of animals, some with stars on their belly and some without stars. And who is better than who? And they, they go through this whole system of trying to get stars on and off of their bellies. And these ideas, these ideas that Dr. Seuss 
would write about were ideas of family values, ideas of hard work, ideas of exploring the world, ideas of reading, saying, read, think for yourself, explore the world, make something of yourself, strong family values, don't see color, but treat one another equally with love. These ideas fly in the face of the progressive left. These ideas fly in the face of Marxism and socialism. These ideas are antithetical to communism and communistic ideas. Why? Because these ideas mean that you have agency. Under the the progressive, far progressive leftist lens, it's not even a liberal lens, it is a Marxist ideological lens. It says you have no agency, you have no free will, you have no no power or ability to make decisions and forge your own future. It is all determined already by your genetics, by the chemicals inside of your brain. It has already been determined by the house that you grew up in, by the systems of economics that you live in. It has already been determined. So these writings of Dr. Seuss pose a danger to the world that Marxists and postmodernists want to create. Because the greater thing that Dr. Seuss wrote about, as I said, was these family values, exploring, reading, forging your own future. But postmodernism wants to boil it down to everything down to, that there's a power struggle of the patriarchy, a power struggle of capitalism, and that you are a slave to the economy. And if you think that you have any sort of freedom, that only further proves, if you think that you have any sort of liberty, that only per- further proves that you have been blinded by the, the barbaric system of capitalism that you are stuck in. But Dr. Seuss's writings pointed to something else. Dr. Seuss's writings encourages kids to read, to learn, to grow, to explore, to explore different places, different places around the world, understand different cultures, and to not see the color of one's skin, but the character of one's countenance. So what are these 45 reasons to cancel Dr. Seuss? Well, they're not my reasons, but they are the reasons of the Communist Party. Now, I'm not going to read all 45 because it is a long list, but here is a flavor of some of the goals that the Communist Party set out to accomplish as they outlined decades ago. They are playing a long game, a very long game. So how does Dr. Seuss play into this? Well, some more of their goals is get control of the schools, use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda, soften the curriculum. This is happening, and the reason that I think this is directly tied into this cancellation and removing of titles of Dr. Seuss is because kids read Dr. Seuss in school, and if you can begin to undermine the the individual identity, and you can begin to sow seeds of anti-racism, ideology, and critical race theory into the school system, you can have 
the revolution that you want, because this is what was outlined by the communists uh, through the Frankfurt School, which is a, a topic that we will get into on another episode. Next point was get control of teachers' associations, put the party line in textbooks. We are seeing that across the globe today, that the fact that socialism is favorable and on the rise across the globe should be startling. Gain control of all student newspapers. Check. Done. Use student riots to foment. Infiltrate the press. Get control of book review assignments, editorial writing, and policy-making positions. This is being done. The fact that this was pulled off, that these books were pulled from Dr. Seuss, shows that there is such a, a tipping point in Western culture away from freedom of speech. It's not even freedom. It's, it's away from having books published, that we having things in those books that we don't agree with, and having the ability to use our mental faculties. The, the, the media and the press have been pushing so hard for their agenda, and they have definitely won the media in the West. Gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. Hollywood, it is, it is a one-party state. One-party state. Continue discrediting American culture by degrading all forms of artistic expression. An American communist cell was told to eliminate all good structures from parks and buildings. Substitute shapeless, awkward, and meaningless forms. Their goal is to tear down any statue that means something. And we saw this all last year throughout 2020. If you watched the news at all, you saw the amount of, of sculptures that were torn down and parks that were vandalized and buildings that were vandalized. Anything that has form and meaning. So how does this tie into Dr. Seuss? Well, he is one of the, the greatest voices in our youth culture today, in the culture of our kids, shaping their minds in a beautiful, artistic, timeless way. So if we can get rid of that, we can replace it with something else. We can replace it with a, a narrative that promotes nihilism and meaninglessness to our children. Control art critics and directors of art museums. Our plan is to promote ugliness, repulsiveness, and meaningless art. This is why postmodern art has, had, has gained such a movement in society. Now, there's some postmodern art that I admittedly, I like looking at. I enjoy looking at. But we have to realize that when all the other timeless art has been expunged from society, and we're celebrating meaningless art. We're, we're reaffirming the fact that life has no meaning, that life is chaos, that there is no order to our life, there's no, there's no purpose to our life. And when society goes down that road, when our children go down that road, the future looks very bleak. And when I say that, I say we can, I can say that with confidence because we can look at USSR. We can look at China. We can look at Cambodia, Vietnam. We can look at Cuba. We can look at Venezuela. We can see the effects of postmodern ideologies on culture, and it is not good. It costs the lives of millions, hundreds of millions of people. 
eliminate all laws governing obscenities by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. It's funny how that works. It's we're going to cancel some things, but we are going to eliminate any sort of quote unquote censorship from obscenities. And so we see this across Hollywood. We see this even across children books where, where there's an agenda, an agenda that is being pressed of promiscuity, an agenda that is being pressed, whether it's through TV or, or TikTok or YouTube, there is an agenda that is being pressed by specific actors to say, we want to push obscenity into the youth culture. And we're going to do it by saying, hey, if you don't let us say this, you're actually violating our free speech. And we see uh, just horrific laws that are trying to be passed that are so uh, oppressive and damaging to our youth in the West. And these are dangerous ideas that we need to we need to be aware of and we need to fight against. Next one, break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and television. Same one as before, and, and we're seeing it, especially with the internet. Everyone is two clicks away from a porn site, and it is destroying the minds. The dopamine tracks that are being put through the minds of individuals from pornography today is destroying this generation. The amount of addiction that is happening Sex addiction that is happening through pornography a day where young boys and girls are getting addicted to pornography at the early ages of seven and eight. It is, it is something that as, if, as parents and as members of society, we need to be aware of that these images form just crazy neural pathways in our mind, disrupting the, the dopamine cycles in our mind and damage our, the, our children and the next generation for years to come. And again, we see this in, in the soft core porn industry that has been pushed through Hollywood into every corner of society today. Present homosexuality degeneracy and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Do I, do I need to say any more? Do I need to, do I even need to comment on this in 2020? This, this is already a reality, far blown reality. The, in the West, this is seen as normal, natural, and healthy. And if you say otherwise, me saying otherwise is considered a hate crime. I'm pretty sure Maybe I'm still protected <laughs> by free speech, but I doubt it. Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible and emphasis the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need religion as a crutch. They have they have done this. If you have followed any sort of of trends of religion in America, you you would know that the, the religious structure in America is fading and fading fast, you would see that the, the young generation is leaving religion, organized religion, by the droves and is turning to whether it's spirituality or whether it's to atheism 
or agnosticism or some sort of pantheism, deism, they are, are, are leaving religion and saying, I can make my own way. I can become my own God. I can make my, my own decisions on morality and what I believe is right and or wrong. Last one, discredit the family as an institution, encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. The divorce rates, we've already talked about this here on the show, the divorce rates in the West and across the world, uh, if my, my studies that I'm reading are not wrong, are skyrocketing. And as we've said, the, the institution of the family and marriage is the first and last defense. It is the first and last defense against socialism because the family unit is a vehicle that passes on wealth from one generation to the next generation. It's a vehicle that protects private property, which enables people to be able to build a, a security net for themselves, to, to build ownership and property, to steward something to make something great, private property. As Marx says, socialism and, and Marxism, communism can be summed up in this, the abolishment of private property. And if you can destroy the family institution, you can cause people to instead of relying on their family unit and family structure, they will rely on the government. And if you rely on the government, the government has control over your life. Next, emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. Attribute prejudice, mental blocks, and re retarding of children to suppressive influence of parents. Support any social movement to give centralized control over any part of culture, education, social agency, welfare program, and mental health clinics. And these two here, again, it is saying parents do not have the ability. Parents are not smart enough to know what books to let kids read. We need to take away these Dr. Seuss books from the parents being able to buy them because we do not trust the influence of parents on their children. Last one, infiltrate and gain control of big business. And this is what we have seen from Coca-Cola to Amazon to Apple to now Dr. Seuss. This ideology has gained control and infiltrated big business. Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, the part of the show where we take ancient quotes and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can weave our destinies and own our future. Today's quote is by the one and only John Milton who wrote Paradise Lost. He also wrote the Areopagitica, which is an essay, a lecture on the importance of free speech and not censoring and destroying books. And he wrote this. He said, he who destroys a good book kills reason itself. He dis who destroys a good book destroys and kills reason itself. I, as I said earlier in the show, I, I can see how many of these, many of these pictures and portrayals 
in Dr. Seuss's books, these six books that have been been pulled off the shelves, I can see how, hmm, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of hurtful. That that is portraying these ethnicities in a less than human way. I I I can see that. And I think it would be hard pressed for me in good conscience to say, no, no, he didn't do that. But my, my, my greater fear, my greater fear is that when we begin to do that and we say, well, see, Dr. Seuss, he was really a racist and look at these racist photos in it. So we need to pull these books. And we'll, now that we're, we're waking up and we're realizing that, man, Dr. Seuss, he really was a racist. Probably we should pull all of his books because we don't want that sort of person infiltrating and, and shaping the way that we think. So we're going we're to take all these books away. Well, well, where does it end? Because the way that Dr. Seuss thought back in the 1950s, 1960s, it's very different than the way that we think today. And the way that people would think 50 years from now, they will probably look back on you and I and be like, oh my goodness, the way that they thought, it was so backwards. Like, what were they thinking? So where does the, where does the canceling stop? Do we, do we look to Shakespeare and say, well, Shakespeare, oh my goodness, the merchant of Venice has so much anti-Semitism and, and anti-black narratives in it. What a horrible racist book. We need to pull this book. We should burn, should burn the book. Where does it stop? As Milton says, when you kill a good book or when you kill a book, you are killing reason itself. Books are there. Writing is there. Literature is there for us to read and have a mirror looking back on ourselves to learn, to think critically. But if we, if we censor the ability or we, we censor thoughts that do not line up with our narrative, with our belief system. We will find ourselves in an echo chamber. And if we find ourselves in an echo chamber and we all believe the same things, then pretty soon what we believe is just propaganda. It's not truth. It's not real. And we fall into deception. There's been a meme going around around the the internet over the last couple of weeks that's saying remember that people who burn books people who are canceling books they're never on the right side of history one example of someone who did a mass book burning or canceling books or trying to censor people from publishing books or self-censoring their their own publications under, under pressure of, of cultural forces that are saying we need these off the shelves, so destructive, these experts and educators. They're never on the right side of history. And the reason that they're never on the right side of history is when you, when you silence, when you silence people that you disagree with, those voices go underground and the rest of the public do not have a sounding board. They cannot... They do not have any way to navigate what is right or wrong because all they have is a propaganda that has been given to them. That is all for this episode. Thank you for listening. 
Please, if you have a question about this episode or any other episode, I would love to hear them. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero or find me at lucasscrobot.com. That's L-U-C-A-S-S-K-R-O-B-O-T.com. And I would love to answer them for you, even right here on the show. That is all for this episode. Remember, you are someone who goes out and seeks to understand the world. So you seek to discern truth because it's through understanding the world that we can actually find and step in to our purpose. Through understanding and knowing truth, we can step in to actual impact and change. So go out this week and own the future.